Right, okay. Hello and welcome to the inaugural sort of the first virtual podcast interview. Uh, it's kind of an as yet undecided, untitled uh, project that uh, I suppose me and some of the other people are trying. Um, I'm Edward, for anyone that doesn't know me from the Fun Filter podcast. Uh, and I decided that I'm going to start off uh, with me dad. So say hello. Hello, I'm your dad. <laughs> <laughs> Smooth as you like. This is exactly what we wanted. Oh, oh this is going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Um, yeah, but I've basically just written down um, a few questions. Yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a chat. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not going to be like. The fun filter podcast where we sat chatting for like three hours. No, no, you can't. Uh, my no. bladder won't let me. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I don't think mine would either. <laughs> as soon as I started you drinking, even last an hour. <laughs> as soon as I started like drinking, yeah, more, as much water as I probably should be drinking. Yeah. Oh, all of a sudden, neither the loo. Yeah, yeah. It's a psychological <laughs> thing, isn't it? Really. No. Anyway. Um, yeah, uh, I will. I pre- I'm going to preface all of these uh, the exact same way, mm. um, which is: if there's anything you don't want online, um, don't say it, because <laughs> these are going up on the internet, and I'm not going to take them down. Mm. Um, so yeah, but, you know, because obviously I've scheduled ones with like Jake and stuff, and I did have to, you know, mm. preface with him that if there was anything he didn't want on the internet. Particularly given, like, you know, he has certain checks with his job and stuff, and anything like that. I was like, mm. I just don't say it. So, yeah, anything you don't want, don't want put online, mm-hmm. don't say it. Because, A, A, I'm not editing it, and mm. B, it's going online forever. Mm-hmm. Um, the first question I thought we'd um, start off with uh, something that's just kind of uh, it's re- related to the coronavirus. Um, not in the sense that I'm just going to sit here and talk about coronavirus for an hour, um, but I thought, seeing as you've been walking and I've been running, mm. uh, I thought I'd ask you about your challenge and how that all went. Yeah, it was it was good. I mean, I'd already started walking most days, even before the challenge was um, sort of instigated and, and I was asked to take part, because... Being self-employed and not being able to work and, and living in a smallish property without a garden, I decided it was nice to get out and walk some of the local area. We've got a nice canal that's not very far away. We've got a big lake at the back here behind where I live. And therefore, I just decided I would go out and do some walking. And if that walking sort of like went past friends or relations houses uh and obviously can't go in but if just go and say hello and all that that was that was uh part of the kind of whole structure of how i planned to do the walks and where i went then i got involved obviously as you know with the retina uk challenge to um Good old 10 for 10 challenge. Yeah, take take part in that. The idea originally being, of course, to walk or run 10 miles just whenever, not in all in one go or whatever, and try and raise £100. 
I'd already basically walked more than 10 miles, even at that stage. So, but from that time onwards, then I then set the target of walking uh, to raise money. And so uh, I, because I'd already done 10 miles, we kind of reset the clock. Um, and I started sort of, not quite from scratch, but near enough. I think we started at about six miles and in, to include that. And then from then on, we reset the target at 20 miles. Um, and I started to ask and make it known that I was raising money for this walking challenge. And therefore, I then planned a, a walk every day. Um, different aspects, different parts of the area and... and um, different distances really no spec no set distances per day no set no real set anything for the day other than i had a pretty good idea where i would walk on a particular day and and set myself a kind of target um i wasn't able to use the um the run keeper uh, aspect because my phone is not <laughs> good therefore it wasn't really possible to put that up so i would guess my um kind of distances which simon will work out later on so on some days i might walk four miles uh some days it was five or six on some days it turned out to be eight so we kept resetting the, the target really from 20 went up to 25 then it went up to 30 then it went up to 35 and in the end we set it at 40 by good friday because um i'd started i think that allowed about 10 days or sort of something to do yeah. it. um so 40 miles by good friday but in fact it turned out in the end to be like 42 miles but um and i am many people were very generous thought it was a great idea and a good cause and for me it was great because the weather's obviously been really good so on the whole well anyway and so therefore i could go out every day and not only get enjoyment from the walks uh which are good for your health during this current crisis but also raising money so i ended up as i said with a target of 42 miles uh, and i've raised just over 350 pounds at the last count so um yeah so which is good. absolutely nuts <laughs> well i mean I, okay you know in the end i've managed to get i think it was 120 pound for mine you know but but again you did you emailed people which is probably a smarter tactic because <laughs> i think i think i shared it on facebook like five times yeah and then was like sat there like going, I don't think I'm going to get hundred pounds. Mm. And then sort of slowly but surely that kind of crept up. Certainly yeah, I mean it's amazing. You never quite know, particularly in the current circumstances when people's finances are a bit stretched. Mm. Um, but one or two, one donated fifty pounds, another donated twenty five, um, and I even got a couple of donations after I'd put on Facebook I'd actually just completed my challenge and um, you know what I'd walked and and that even that generated a couple I am quite lucky that I think 
most of the people are friends and relations who are happy to donate usually £10 as an average. But your problem is, you know, it's having the number of people you can contact or rely on to to help to reach a target. Um, yeah, and, you know, most of the people I know, you know, they're, they're all on the furlough scheme like me. So it's yeah, just, uh, but also a lot of the people you'd know would be the ones that are donated to me. So they were probably less likely to then turn around and say, well, okay, we'll donate to him because otherwise then you've got your sister who's also doing it and then they would be like, well, we'd have to donate to her and then you've got Simon, her fiancé, well, we better donate to It wouldn't really happen, <laughs> I don't think. So no. it's kind of, I feel good that I've managed to generate that amount of money because Oh, yeah it's not no i don't mean from i mean it is good but no, also i feel that because i know those people will probably unlikely to donate to you or erica or simon that i've kind of made an extra i've mm -hmm. got an extra amount that kind of compensates for perhaps you not getting some of some of my do my donors as a consequence so i you know i feel it's it's all going into the one pot so you know we can all sort of or they can share the benefit really oh yeah you know i mean i think ev everyone that's done anything mm. for retina during this mm. like that you know that the, the give penny pages for it mm. quite if like there's quite a few and there's like still there's people still signing up now so that's you know yeah. it'd be good and it, it was good because yeah i mean there was you know also a bit of friendly rival between me and erica uh, yeah, that's right but i mean the good thing is that it it meant that i wasn't just walk i mean i'm still walking even now um and still going out and and still doing probably an average of about five six miles a day um but um i'm not earning any money for that i probably could have done i probably could have kept on Mm. trying to raise more money but i felt i'd sort of reached the point where that it probably wouldn't have generated much more income so i'm just happy to do it now for my own pleasure and the thing is that you know it's just good because all the time i'm 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 not able to work it gives me something as a kind of structure to the day to think oh, i can go and do this while the weather's good when the weather's not good as you know i'm doing my own kind of decorating indoors and stuff to to to, that I've got and need to do so uh, it's a kind of mixture of the two really but it's nice to think that that was worth you know making a worthwhile effort to raise money so it was good yeah I mean if I do remember whenever this goes up online mm. and I share it on social media I'll mm. add in the, the give penny links yeah that's a good idea because there might still be people who don't know about it Mm. and are happy to donate or they might be in a slightly different financial position than they were you know two or three weeks ago maybe yeah that is also true yeah, so, also so it's, it's worth doing even if it doesn't generate anything you don't lose anything by at least putting it there to and maybe one or two might sort of you know, yeah exactly um, uh, yeah like there are but, some people on the furlough scheme who you know, I, m my payment started early April, but there are some people who didn't get paid until the end of April. No, no. no. I mean, in theory, most people weren't supposed to get paid to the end of April. 
No. So you, you've been lucky in that respect. Yeah, there was a certain circumstances. Yeah, um, which we won't go into. But I mean, no. but the but the point is, you have been lucky, but you've been luckier than most. Yes. Mm. Yes, I. I yeah. Having a weekly income has made a difference because well, yes, it, it, it's bound to. And I mean, you know, it's okay if you've got savings and that to live on, like I have. And you know, I've just had the the initial thing to start, you know, sorting out, getting getting uh, a payment from the government to cover my self-employed period. That's right today, and I've been dealing with that, um, and that's quite complicated. <laughs> But um, it does mean that, um, sorry, some text. Uh, but, you know, um, yeah, but I'm lucky that I can survive. But for a lot of people, that I, they wouldn't have been in the position I'm in. So I've been lucky. But that doesn't mean I don't want to get back to work as soon as it's feasible. Oh, no. I, I mean, I am fully craving going back to work now. I think... I think you see, as I said to people before, maybe even to you before, it's it's not just that. It's the actual social interaction oh, yeah. with other people that is missing from people's lives. If they're even if they're living in a house with several kids and and a and a family, then they're having that that same those same people day in and day out. They're not having different people to socially interact with. And that's why on the walks that I do, I try to go and at least see people and talk to them from a distance, but so that there is some kind of physical interaction to rather than just a phone call or even doing it online like this. It just makes that bit of difference because you're seeing them physically in person. And that's what we are kind of all missing um you know a, a lot of us at the moment from, from just not going to work mm. as as people who have been working from home before all this started will will test uh testify to is you know they might be able to work from home and everything and it's easier and they've got all the technology but they're not having that banter that they would get in an office environment and all that so you know, for some, you know, that, that makes, it's all part of the, the job in the day. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, you know, I work in a pub, so. Yeah, exactly. Everything is social. And I, I don't think I realized just how social mm. it really is, mm. you know, just because I maybe don't spend that, you know, I don't really hang around with a lot of the staff anymore, but you know, that's just the job position that, that mm. things change. You know, mm. I don't really spend all that much time with the staff like I used to, you know, when I was like uh, an associate just starting out, you know, mm. I used to start drinking with like all of them. So, you know, it, it, but it doesn't matter because what you kind of, certainly I didn't realize was, oh, actually, I'm just sort of like not, you know, other than the people I live with or Skype stuff, so, you know, I'm not really seeing anyone. No. And I think that's that's the the harder harder bit of this situation is is exactly that you might have friends, but unless I'm lucky because where I live, I am in reasonable walking distance to see quite a lot of people. So yeah. even though we're not socially 
gathering and going to the pub and doing all the things that we normally would do. I'm able to go out, I'm able to go walking, I'm able to go shopping, and I'm able to, to see some of them, sit with them maybe and have a cup of tea six foot apart or more, depending, and that makes a big difference. But if you haven't got that number of people or people of near where you live to be able to walk to them or get to them within a reasonable distance, you can't do it. So, you know, it's, no. it's, it's another thing. Uh, yeah, and you know, like for me, my main friends, two of them live in Ponty, and two of them live in London. Mm. So mm. <laughs> I ain't seeing any of them unless I Skype them. No, so it, it's harder for you, and I can understand that. And I think, for as I said, for a lot of people, that's a hard, that's a more difficult aspect of. Of, of this situation and I'm glad that I'm not yet in a, in a situation where I wouldn't be able to go out at all no. but whatever the reasons are related to the virus you know whether age or health problems or whatever if that stopped me from doing that it would have been really difficult yeah no I mean I found that really difficult you have regardless. far better health than I do so well, I'm not sure about that, but I mean, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway. It feels to me like you have far better health than I do. Well, I haven't done such stupid things as you have, that's true to say. You fracture a couple of bones and dislocate a couple of shoulders. and everyone... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I might have fell off my steps in the garden and fractured my leg, <laughs> but I haven't actually punched the wall or... Um, slid on something and knackered my back or whatever you know i have managed to avoid things like that most of my life you know. yeah that's true to be fair i mean i've had a back problem since i was what 13 14 yeah <laughs> so you know it, it went, it went. Now that's unfortunate when you slip on ice and land yeah. on your on the bottom of your back that's just an unfortunate accident that you can't predict or foresee um, and it does, I'm afraid, things like that generally have long-lasting consequences, even if they don't manifest themselves. No, yeah. So for, for the, in, 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 the, in the early weeks, years, months, whatever, you know, it's, it's just a fact of life that whatever injury you, you, you give yourself inevitably rears its ugly head somewhere later on down the line in your yeah. life, unfortunately. And, yeah, and I've just been daft in my younger years. Oh, yeah, you have, but your, your sister's just as bad. She's just managed to try and be slightly better than you are. I, I think she's more than slightly better these days. Yeah, she hasn't done quite such stupid things, although falling off a bouncy castle at the age of 18 drunk is not really any more sensible. That is fun, though. Being a, a bouncy castle's drunk are really fun. Yeah, well, so you say. I'll take your word for that, because I've only <laughs> ever been on it sober, and that was bad enough. So um, I'll, I'll take your word. Well, I was so seeing as we're diving into my, my youth, we'll dive into yours. Oh, yeah. I think that's only fair. Um, I did. I did slightly that warn you. Very exciting. I can I tell did you. Slightly that. warn you. I was going to ask you about this. Yeah. Okay. Um, which is just obviously. I mean, you were born in the fifties, but you kind of grew up more in the sixties. Yeah, I was a teenager in the sixties. Yeah, and just kind of. I suppose the question kind of is more: 
what's it like? What's the, I suppose what's the comparison like? What was it like growing up in the sixties in comparison to say now? Because. I mean, yeah, even now, I, I look down on the youth of <laughs> the people younger than me with quite a sort of sour taste. So. Well, the thing, of course, the obvious things is we just didn't have anything. Um, you know, I mean, certainly there was no technology. In fact, I was actually talking to my cousin Marilyn earlier on today about this very thing and the fact that, you know, I mean, most people in the 50s and 60s didn't actually have a car because they didn't have the money to afford to run a car. My dad was actually one of the few to have, he learned to drive the year I was born, 1955, and he had a van, a Ford van, and he was one of the few in the road to have any kind of vehicle to to drive. And he bought that, obviously, because he was self-employed, to go to work in. But he was, that's, you know, and I often wonder how he actually afforded to get it. So... Car travel, car car usage became something that developed over the time. 1959, they brought out the Mini. That was brought out as a car for people to afford and use. That's why it was so huge, because you could buy a little car and go out and about and go to places, which you couldn't do before. But people didn't go on holiday abroad. You didn't have foreign holidays. You only ever went on holiday in this country and and that changed in the 60s when they bought in the package holidays package tour holidays to Benidorm and places like Spain Spain was the big the place really you didn't go to any other places you went to Spain that was where you went to get the sunshine so you you weren't bopping it at 18 in Cavos then like I was (laughs) No, no, at 18, I was probably doing bugger all, basically, because um, I didn't... You were working by the time you were 18. Well, when I was 18, you know, I I didn't really go away. I went away probably with my brother and friends. I didn't really have many friends of my own age, because I'd left school at 15, Mm. whereas I left some of my friends at school for another year. Um, and so I kind of went, left school, went out to work at 15 to work with my dad. So my social life didn't really, I they really didn't have one much. Um, my social life kind of started when um, my brother's sort of friends would come around on a Friday and say, oh, we're going down the pub. You know, do you want to come with us and it's at 17? I'm sort of drinking Guinness. I was drinking Guinness even then, in those days. Um, you know, underage. <laughs> haven't changed at all. No. <laughs> and Guinness has kind of stayed with me all my life, really. I've I've kind of tried all the ales and everything, but I always end up back at Guinness. For some reason, I like it, but I don't like beer as much. I never have done. I like scotch and other drinks. But anyway, so from that point of view... Um, we didn't have a lot of money, you know, television, if you had a television, it was black and white, two channels, BBC Two did exist in about 1964, I think, but we didn't have three channels until 1972, the last year that my mum was unfortunately alive because she got terminal cancer and my brother arranged for us because in those days, then, you people used to rent their televisions. And we'd, there were rental firms about, 
I'll have to take, sorry. And right. I need that otherwise it's I'll turn the sound off. Um so let me just turn that off. Okay. Um sorry, I did forget to tell you to put it on silent. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um we we hired, we rented a colour television so that my mum, who's a big Wimbledon tennis fan, could watch the Wimbledon in colour on a colour television, it was a 19-inch screen, which would sounds ridiculous now, but that was, like, really big in comparison to what we'd been used to. Um, and so we we finally had three channels, BBC One, ITV and BBC Two. Yeah. That's what you had until, well, quite late on, really. I can't remember when, what would have been the next one? Channel 4, I think, probably in the 80s, I think was Channel 4 then. So, you know, so we didn't have a lot. We had one family holiday a year, which was for quite a few years was the Isle of Wight, uh, which growing up and being... Yeah, why you take me and Erica there? Well, really, it was really exciting because you had to get on a boat and go across the sea. So we thought we were going abroad and, and all the excitement of mm. that, you know, and sometimes my dad, if he had enough money, would take his van for us to travel around the island in, if he didn't have enough money to afford the extra cost of going on the car ferry, we would leave it at Portsmouth on a sort of somewhere where someone would look after it for a week, and we would go as foot passengers, and then we would go around the island on coaches and buses. I say, did you walk to the campsite or did you just get a bus? No, we didn't have camp. We, we would rent a flat, generally a holiday flat, and it would be in Sandown or Shanklin so that we could basically just walk down to the beach. Oh, okay, because is. the idea was it was a family holiday. It was a beach holiday. So you assumed that the weather would be good and sunny and you could get on the beach. And we. You assumed nice weather. Yes, we did. I got absolutely monumentally sunburnt once to the point where I actually did resemble a lobster. And the worst aspect is if you get really sunburnt, is don't get in a bath. Because if you get in a hot bath, you will scream your head off because it is really, really painful. Yeah. So, it, yes, it did happen. Um, but we would go and get the because the trains ran further on the island than they currently do. So mm. we the train and go somewhere, or we would go on what was called mystery tours, where basically you went and got on a coach and you had no idea where you were going, but you knew obviously that sounds fun to me. Yeah, I'm not, I'm uh, not they would take you round, and you would end up probably at Black Gang Shine or the Needles or mm. Carisbrook Castle or yeah. all famous places but you didn't know you just signed up got on the coach and went on a mystery tip trip to um but if my dad had his van we would drive around and go it was a van with seats and a seat in the back bench seat um unfortunately we we did that for like seven years in a row mm. and then the last year it rained every single day but one half a day and because when you've got young kids and you have to entertain them, obviously I had my brother was there, but getting to the point where he's probably 
getting to a stage where he wasn't going to be coming away with us much longer. You know, your parents have got to entertain their children. If you can't go on the beach, paddle in the sea, build sandcastles and do all the usual things, you have yeah. to entertain. So it would be constantly finding things indoors to do. <clears throat> Cinemas, uh, whatever else we could find indoors, probably shops and all the things, which obviously cost money. And so my dad said that last year, right, that's the last year we're going to go to the Isle of Wight. We can't afford to do this. It's too too expensive. So we started going to Dorset after mm-hmm. that, going to Swanage and Lulworth Cove, Dirtledore, all those sort of places, caravans. Yeah. Um, and that way then, I mean, if the weather had been really crap, which luckily I don't remember it ever really being so we could have if the worst comes to the worst just packed up and gone home but you've got a book when you've got to go to the Isle of Wight you obviously have to book a ferry if you've got a booking you can't you know just suddenly think right let's leave and go home you know we've paid for a booking following Saturday we did get stuck over there once when uh, you see, the trains and the ferries used to be owned by British Rail, and they went on strike while we were over there. So we had to spend another two days stuck over there, find another two days in the bed and breakfast, which my dad hated, and I can understand because I don't particularly want to eat breakfast with people, complete total strangers, and then you're not allowed to be indoors all day. You have to go out. We managed to get another couple of nights in one managed to book says a we used to go from Portsmouth to it's not ride it's Fishbourne which is just outside ride mm. uh, it used to be ride in the early days when we used to go but they moved it um, yeah to to accommodate the bigger ferries uh, and then there's one that runs from Southampton to Kells which is Red Funnel and we managed to get a booking on Red Funnel uh, to come back because they were still running because they weren't run, obviously, owned by British Rail. Mm. So we had to go down and get on that and come home from Southampton back home. And that was another reason why my dad was never keen to go back, really, um, in later. Well, we didn't in later years because we got beyond going on family holidays, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, Where does Cornwall yeah, factor into this, then? Because, obviously, you okay. two- where does Cornwall factor in? Because you've taken... It's oh. like Cornwall was a staple thing of, like, my childhood. Yeah, but Cornwall only came about when Mum and I got married, were married. Oh. And she was the one, as far as I can recall, uh, Uncle Dave had been to Cornwall with his friends, but I don't recall ever going to Cornwall until we were married and probably had certainly Erica and that. Um, Mum decided that we would have holidays down in Cornwall because she always fancied it and we kind of got hooked on Cornwall because we could go. uh, Obviously, she used to take you sometimes on holiday when I didn't go in the school holidays Mm. because being self-employed and not earning any money if I didn't work. but yeah, I mean, we went, we tried to have different holidays, but we got into going to what was then, as you remember, as Train Creek yeah. uh, Holiday Farm, because those sort of places really suited us. So we could have a reasonably 
affordable holiday. Uh, obviously, you've got to have the car, but I mean, which we do. And then we just go out and, and there was plenty to do and occupy. So I don't recall ever going there before you and Erica, well, certainly Erica was born. I never knew. Mm. I, I always thought that was something from your childhood. No, I don't ever recall ever going there. It was Isle of Wight. The other place we went to a lot which was Wittering, East Wittering, because yeah. both my parents worked for people who ho owned the holiday place at East Wittering. And yeah. we could go down there and stay there quite often for free, providing my dad or we did some kind of job in exchange, like mow the grass, clean the windows. He would sometimes dob a bit of paint around here and there or whatever. Yeah. Um, and we would go when it wasn't being used. Uh, and we had loads of holidays down there, which is amazing because the place was really pretty tatty. It was like a prefab. So in other words, it was just made of asbestos walls. The only heating was an electric fire there was no bath so there was a toilet but there was no bath uh, so we probably didn't bath a week or we stood in a sink or a bowl or something oh that's disgusting um and then they did later on they brought in a slot meter 50p slot meter well whatever it was it was a slot meter for the electricity to get money in and that um mm. That could be quite expensive if you've got two bar electric fires on in various places. Yeah. It really was quite cold. But we had great holidays. Our memories are only of really, really good good times and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. Ah. Well, you talked about... Um, so you talked about going to like the pub with um, Uncle and his mates. Yeah. Right. Because, I, I, again, this is something I genuinely have like no idea... Like, obviously, clubs existed back then, because obviously you had, like, you know, clubs in the 1920s, people would go and sing and dance. Yeah, they weren't clubs like you know. No, exactly. I assumed that they would be. But did you ever, like, go to, I suppose, what's the equivalent of... No, well, I didn't. But there were, there was one or two in Woking. But again, you got to remember, they wouldn't have been, as far as I can recall, clubs that went on into, like, really early hours and things. Yeah. They were, like, dance clubs really so the main place in Woking one of the main places was a place called the Atalanta Ballroom and that was basically where you would go they would have bands yeah but they would have bands on so you go yeah. the, the, so people of Uncle Dave's age and, and that might go to things like that there was a there was um, a big co-op on the corner of a road called Church Street, which is probably almost impossible to find now. Um, and above there was a thing which was run called the Stereo Club. And that was like where music was played and you went along to dance and obviously to try and meet girls. I never went. I was never old enough, you see. All these things kind of fizzled out uh, before I was old enough or I just didn't ever go to them. I, they never appealed to me particularly. You know. Yeah. Yeah, just cause, I mean, yeah, because you have, I think you've got probably more of a social life than I do these days. Uh, yeah, but that's only because I can. Yeah. I've said this before to people. I can go out because I don't have actually any ties to stop me from going out. If I was with somebody, it would be different. Yeah. Uh, 
and simply because you would be the the social life would would include them and revolve around them as well but uh, because it doesn't and because a number of my friends are divorced separated whatever it is possible to go out and meet up with them most weeks have a drink have a chat have a catch up um and you know i can do it um and i like to do that i mean when the the virus started and the pub shut and things like that became a place of not going out it was a bit strange for a first week or two mm. to think uh, because normally when i'm working i would come home and think oh tonight i'm going out later to meet steve for a drink and a catch-up or you know or i'm going to the film club the sort of club that you know i've been going to for nearly 40 years and things like and suddenly the social aspect of actually going out stopped completely mm. um and it it was you know there was a little period of adjustment of thinking ah oh, i'm not going out every you know not every night although it's true to say i can be out sometimes six nights out of seven if i really organize it properly but i'm then be working in the day or whatever so it's 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 just who's around and what's happening and all the rest no saying that's regular it's just occasionally happens sometimes and that's all stopped obviously at the moment so um but no i didn't go to and there weren't clubs like you know clubs and just totally yeah, I, I know quite a lot of skiffy places <laughs> yeah well you would do um, but yeah but I, yeah because that's what i didn't because as i say i was aware of like you know you had like ballrooms and stuff like that but i wasn't sure what else more dancing uh to sort of like records you know like people with if you see clips from old uh, music programs maybe like top of the pops or ready steady go for those you know who might know what those sort of programs are and you look at what the people are dancing like in that that's what they would have been like yeah it was there wasn't it wasn't a rarely did you get old of a girl and you held and you dance you, you, you know it was it was just bopping to the music really and things like that more than anything and, they were, and and well, i don't even know if you would have I don't even know. I guess the Atalanta probably had a bar. I'm not sure about the stereo club or whatever. I mean, I've got no idea, really. You'd have to ask my brother, really. I, I do love the fact that you know, the Atalanta ballroom. Yeah. Is, is, it was like the place in Woking. Well, it was It was like the venue. And I tell you what really, what was exciting there when I, I can't remember what age I would have been. So I would have been, I reckon about 63 64 i'd need to look this up really and find out but basically they had a doctor who exhibition came smoking okay Mm. and so they had this thing where you turned up you had to buy i mean i was amazed because my mum actually took me and you got in a queue and you waited and then you went in and you went behind these curtains and then you were supposed to be like go inside the TARDIS and sort of travel back in time and yeah. all I can remember is it sounded like somebody's vacuum cleaner sort of like a <laughs> and they probably shook the thing you know, to yeah and I can't even remember what happened when you came out the curtains the other side but there was obviously something and it might have been a Dalek actually I think there might have been 
a Dalek or so there or sort of something. But I kind of vaguely remember that. I don't really know remember much more. But that was at the Atalanta. I remember that. I no, but the, I love I love the name of it more than anything. Yeah, I don't know what it means. It must have a reason. It must be a reason for its name. But no, I, more just because that you know that's quite a fancy name for a night like a, a club. Oh, it was definitely but, the place to go, yeah. and it was definitely one that had lots of bands on. Yeah, you know, if you had a gig going on in the area, that's where they went. If they didn't go to Guildford, so the Civic Hall. Okay. Gilbert. That's what. Imagine them trying to get a band in Bank Bar or Bed Bar, whichever one. They wouldn't, would they? Because they're not designed <laughs> for them. That's not how they are now. No. Although both, you know, both <laughs> those sort of nightclubs. I I, re- I remember when because obviously I was I was working at yours. Well, working. Um, I was living at yours and working nearby. Yeah. Yeah. Discovering that Woking had nightclubs. Yeah, two. But, yeah, because to me, <laughs> like, there was two play. you know, I had Woking, I had Macclesfield, and I assumed neither of them had, had nightclubs. Now, I, I, Macclesfield may not have done at the time. It had a spoon, but it may not have had that at the time. Mm-hmm. But Macclesfield now has what is called a club revolution, which is quite a popular, like, you get it in those mm-hmm. in a lot of cities. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, discovering Woking had... Well, the reason, and also the reason for that is you have to remember that Woking is not only not that far from London by train, but Mm. also because it sits in close proximity to quite a lot of army camps. So you get a lot of soldiers that would go into Woking at the weekends Mm. to go and meet girls and just to have a good time. And that's where they would go. Yeah. So, pubs and clubs. So, you know, that was also one of the other things about it as well. Do you think, I, I do quite like that part of Woking, because, just because you've got, like, the main, like, shopping centre and all of that, and mm. then the bars and the clubs are kind of just off to one side, really. Well, there's only one now, isn't there, because the other one's gone. The other club has gone. I can't remember which one's gone yeah, now. It's gone, I think. Oh. I think only one a couple of times, but... Mm. But it's it's the fact that, that that sort of area though is all off to one side. So your bars are all, all off to one side. Yeah, well Woking's are really oddly built anyway. You know, I mean it's <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's really strange how it's all developed because it actually developed on the wrong side. So that's why Woking Station is actually arse about faced because it's the back is the front and the front is yeah. the back. Because yeah. they assumed that the town would develop on the side where which is now regarded as the back of the station, but is actually the front. Yeah. Um, and not the town side, but the other side, and the town was going to develop over that side, but for whatever reasons, it developed over the other side. Mm. So, you know... And they, and, yeah, and they keep developing it that side as and well. They keep, and they keep rebuilding it every 10 years. So at the moment, yeah. we now have Tower Block City with all these tower blocks going up with new hotels and you know, Marks and Spencers and all the other things that are coming and all the redesigns of, of everything else. It's it's a very strange place because it has become very much a huge commuter town where lots of people live to commute into London because they can't afford to live in London, but they can probably just about afford to live in Woking. And that's pushing it a bit as well, given how well, expensive yeah, it is. Turning, turning it into a commuter place has just raised the price. Well, yeah, it's always been expensive, though. Well, yeah. 
but I guess because, because of its proximity to London and the train service, that's the way it's always yes. been and always will be. Yeah, but I mean, I yeah, as I say, I, I just quite like that the fact that because obviously when you come to Cardiff, mm. I mean, you can be walking through a row of shops and there'd be a pub like just on the other side. Mm. Next to you shops. do get that in the town if you go down Chertsey Road, where you come across pubs, some of which have been there in a long time mm. but have just got different names and things like that. Some have gone, obviously, but yeah, but there's been a lot of changes and, and not always for the better, I don't think. But there we are, no, but yeah, um, I, don't know. I mean, I, I saw I wrote down like a couple of it feels like kind of quick fire questions, but I t- they kind of two of them tie in because I, I talk about brought up the sixties and stuff like that because obviously music for you mm. I know comes from the sixties. Yeah, I mean without a doubt that's that's the biggest thing for me growing up because by the time the sixties started, I was about. Well, I was five in 1960, and the Beatles exploded and appeared in 1963. And they that really was like She Loves You was the first I can remember we bought buying that single. I think we'd gone to London, me and my mum and my dad. I don't remember if my brother was with us. And um, I remember we bought She Loves You. It wouldn't, I wouldn't have bought it, I wouldn't have had enough pocket money for that. Um, it was probably well we're by it and you can we won't have any pocket money for two weeks or something <laughs> um so and that was the first kind of single like one of the first singles i can remember my brother was actually being older five years so he had the paper round so he would have been uh, 14 in 1964 he had a paper so he started at 13 he had a paper round so he had more money at his disposal and he would buy uh, records and things LPs as they were then and I remember he bought with the Beatles I can still remember him buying that and we was in he was into things like the Rolling Stones um, and as the 60s progressed I got really into the Beatles, but I liked all the kind of stuff that was going on at the time mm. you know to me it's it, just what we grew up with and it's like any generation whatever they grow up with really is the musical influences that stay with them i mean you can't avoid that because it's oh, no, what, you can't. it's what stays with you because you're listening to it more because that's you're listening to what you enjoy so what you like and what i like and what erica likes are, are totally different things though you've got more in common with erica and simon than i, I got do but that's me. Me. but they, you do you're, you're interesting because you like a lot of things that i like and a lot of things that they like or more modern stuff and different things but i can only i can only say that some of it some of my likes you've obviously taken on board and appreciate and yeah. enjoy but that's because you've grown up listening to them as a consequence of being spending more time with me maybe than you might have done yeah well because yeah the, the one of the things i had was to do with like what's the like the favorite album and stuff like that mm. purely, purely just because i i realized i was having a conversation the other day in which i realized that my favorite artist my favorite album and my favorite song are three they're by three different people mm. 
Um, yeah, and that's 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 not a bad thing, though, is it? Right. Because you know, it, it that's that's quite good because you know, I mean, if you looked at my collection of CDs and stuff here, there's a huge variety of different artists and styles and everything else like that. They're probably yes. rooted more in sixties, seventies stuff. But I like more later things. Um, I'm not so keen on stuff these days, but because I listen to Radio 2 a lot and they play such a mixture. Yeah. A lot of modern things, records that I really like and artists that I really like. I wouldn't necessarily buy them, but I really like them. And no, this... but I probably would have spent less time listening to people like the Kaiser Chiefs if it wasn't for the fact that you got the album Education, Education and More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah, I probably... And I've got, I think, a best of as well, which I like. Yeah. It's got yeah. singles Souvenir. Yeah. And things, and, and I like Kings of Leon, and things like that, you know, strengths yeah. I like, um, they're a bit 90s, of course, they, you know, but... yeah, they, they're fun live, though, I like to see the strengths. Yeah, yeah, sad, one of them's died, isn't it? But, it is. But then, you know, and I like, sort of, people like Ian Jury, and, um, Progal Harum's another big one from the 60s onwards, um, D Dylan Band, the band Clapton, and, but, you know, there's a whole raft of different mm. And then I really like folk music. I really like jazz. I like blues. I like loads of stuff. Maybe, maybe that's where I get my jazz from then, because I like jazz. Yeah, I do. I mean, I used to listen to a lot more than I listen to now, because we used to go to jazz clubs, Uncle Dave and I particularly, and other friends would go and see live jazz years ago probably back in the 80s i suppose and things and yeah you know, we used to go and see them in little bookseller bars and places and yeah and really enjoy the festivals the odd jazz festival we'd went to and things like that bracknell um so that i and i even like classical music there's quite a lot of classical music that i like as well um, yeah you know i i'm really open to Lots of different styles of variety, really. But the Beatles are my number one and always will be. You know, that's just, it's just in me and I can't, there's just no shift in that at all whatsoever. No. Would you say, I, I'm assuming then that, uh, I, I mean, I always thought your favourite album was the White Album. I might be yeah, wrong. I still think it probably is. Yeah. Because it's so diverse and there's so many different things on, different styles, and I know it off by heart, and I just can listen to it and listen to it and listen to it because it's just such an amazing album and collection of songs. But I like, it's hard to say a favourite album and, or whatever because I like loads. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I did, there was a challenge that went around the internet last last year or the year before and i did 10 albums of yeah. my were my favorite albums yeah and there was one that i put in that and i think i still call it my favorite album um but i base i based it purely off of the amount i listened to it as a whole mm. on sites like spotify and itunes um which is by it and it's by the arctic monkeys because they did an album called am mm. which I hadn't listened to them in years and wasn't necessarily a fan of some of the stuff until I kind of paid more attention to it. Mm. But I kind of was like, oh, 
actually I've spent some time, you know, listening to that while because that would have been I was in college when it came out, mm. and then I played paid proper attention to it when I was in first year of uni. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's like because that's like my sort of like favorite album. But then my favorite song is Heroes by David Bowie. Mm. And then Frank Turner's my favourite artist. So mm. y- y- it's like three completely different spectrums. Well, that's, yeah, that's why it's very hard to pick. And even though, I mean, you're right. I mean, I've done twice I've been nominated to post <laughs> an album. Yeah. I do 10 albums a day. And I the last time I just put the same ones back again. And they're all ones that were probably like first albums but they just have influenced me whether I've continued to like those artists. So people like Dire Straits, their first album, it's probably not the greatest album. It's probably nothing like people who know Dire Straits from about Brothers in Arms. It's yeah, what I would know. It's very kind of sparse and spare, but it, but it has Sultans of Swing on, which is it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, um, but it's just it's just the way it is, and you know, for me, that's like a really important album in me getting to like them and listening to them, um, and people like the band Dylan's backing band. I like most of their albums, but I pick the the second one, which is just called the band, because it's got such great songs on it and all that, and. You know, you but another week I could pick something different. Maybe you know, it's very hard to ever stick to a list and think this is it. This is the definitive thing. I mean, if you if you were really pushed to sit in it and say what album or what single or what artist would you listen to for the rest of your life, I would have to say the Beatles. In my case, you would probably say Frank Turner, but you might not. It's it's yeah. It's difficult because I listen to different types of music depending on what mood I'm in. I can, I can go one week and think, oh, I really want to listen to, I don't know, uh, the band. Another week I might think, oh, I want to listen to uh, the Stranglers. I might want to, I don't know. It's it's all mood related, a lot of it. Yeah, well, I, because obviously as part of this, like, you know, my sort of daily exercise. Mm. Obviously, I've done running for a lot of mine. Mm. Um, now, I'm I'm running long enough that I try and choose a different album by a different artist every time I go for a run. Mm. See what well, that's good. That's a good Got yeah. motivation to it and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, so far, in terms of the best, like, mood for running, Queen mm. is winning. Mm. Um, I listen to yeah. the Queen. Queen. Queen is good. Yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of great Queen songs. And I mean, again, they're a band that I really like, but don't really own anything other than like a hits mm. collection, hits collection. Yet I can listen to a lot of their songs, and I think they're absolutely amazing. I am a bit peed off with Bohemian Rhapsody because I've just heard it so much. I actually prefer a lot of their others. In fact, I really like Radio Gaga. I think that's yeah. a fantastic song. I also like We Are The Champion, all the usual ones. Yeah. You know, um, Seven Seas Rye, one of their really early ones I really like. I mean, there's loads that I really like. I just don't actually own their albums yeah. because they played a lot. 
on the radio along with a lot of other artists from the 70s and that so I kind of think well I don't really need to own them because I hear them quite a lot when usually when I'm working and listening to the radio mm. so yeah it is it's a weird one music is definitely very personal to yeah. the person and, yeah. and and yes you can get influenced and then without a doubt kids are influenced by what their parents listen to um, to some extent, but it's also what their friends listen to, and and yeah, friends, yeah, friends and family. Yeah, I don't think I would listen to some of the people I listen to if it wasn't for Erica. No, I think they've been quite an influence on you, one way and another, really. Yeah, because you 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 have a closer connection to them than you have to me, because just simply because of the age, you know, you can't. Yeah help that i mean they're much closer in age to you than i am therefore they're going to have more of an influence but mm. you, you you equally like things that they don't like and they like things that you don't like so it's it's all that is, still. yeah there, there was a time where i used to get all my music off of her mm. and then that sort of we sort of went our own separate ways certainly when i went to uni mm. in what we were listening to and mm. it is quite fun when we have because we had a conversation yesterday where we were talking about things to listen to while we were running. And I was sort of listening off some of these things and going, she's she literally sat there, she's like, nah, that's trash, that's trash. Why do you listen to them? And I'm just like, because I like them. Yeah, but you see, uh, you know, the age gap is obviously a, is a bit more apparent mm. in things like that, for instance. Now, five yeah. years just makes that difference between what they ended up growing up and getting into which obviously uni is also a big influence on things like that and then yeah. you come in along afterwards but yeah frank turner green day you've got all those kind of joint uh, yeah. artists that you both like and are really into yeah um uh, and others, you don't. Well, you'd be, you'd be wrong to just like all the same things. Or something. Yeah, yeah. That I think. You know that that was one of the. It was one of those things. Of when I started, you know, listening to some other things like at, at uni, because I, I I like had like weird phases with like hip hop, where mm. I used to be really into hip hop when I was younger, and I think every, these days everyone has a like teenage rap phase. Um, yeah, see, I don't like any of that. I can't really relate to that. No. Uh, not, not like you, you can. I, uh, a lot, lot of more modern stuff is. It's a bit kind of samey to my way of thinking, but that's me. Yeah. So, but I like a lot of the modern music. I mean, I do too. I like a lot of the artists. I just wouldn't buy. It. But I mean, you know, I like listening to a lot of it. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I've sort of come full circle. So now I'm at a point where I, I, you know, if you looked at my genres on iTunes, I mm. think there's, you know, there's rap, hip hop, country, folk, jazz, um, rock, indie, metal, which I, I know for a while, I, I don't think I could ever put a metal record on and you'd like it. Um, depends who it is. Well, I don't think I could ever play you Bring Me the Horizon. No, probably not. Because um, they're a bit, I think they're a bit shouty for your... Yeah, they're not, they're and, not shouty like they used to. I like screamos and stuff and things, but, you know, if you do, fine. 
Yeah. Doesn't mean I have to listen to it. No, I, I, I have. I have subjected it to you on occasion. Yeah, I know you have in the car. Those, those yeah. CDs I used to make. The yeah. CDs I used to make and then make. Yeah, but they're still in the car. Oh, you know full well they're still in the glass. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the, the, the thing is, is I, I do like looking at those CDs sometimes because there are there are some that I've done and I like look at it and I'm like, oh, that's what I was listening to. Like it, when you look, yeah, it's it's it is it's a bit like a time capsule, isn't it? Mm. Really, um, and I think that's quite good. It's quite good to look back and think, oh, actually, I like them because what will probably happen in sometime in the future. You'll go back to them and think, oh, I really like them. Mm. That's, that's the weird thing, is that when music goes round in sort of fashions and goes round in circles and then it'll come back and then you think, oh, yeah, I really like that. Uh, you go off it for a while, maybe. So, yeah. But yeah. they're always there and I'll leave them in my will to you. you know. <laughs> so I leave, still I leave to add CDs he subjected me to. <laughs> oh. Oh well, we've hit an hour, so yeah. um, you got enough for what you want. Yeah, I said I wouldn't keep you too much longer. So um, as long as you've got enough. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I thought I first been quite a good chat. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. my the, the best thing is, is I don't know how it's going to come out, but my the darkness in my room has slowly just got darker. No, you're now becoming more of a silhouette rather yeah. than. Yeah. Well, I did have to put my phone torch on. Um, <laughs> Because I didn't want to just move to turn the light on, which would have been easier. Mm. Um, ah, well, you know, yeah. it's just, it's all for some fun. Yeah, um, well, as long as it's all right. You yeah. know, you well, um, but yeah, thank you for coming on. Uh, that's all right. Yeah, 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 if you want to do it again, you know, I'm sure there's other things we can talk about. But. Oh, God, yeah, we haven't even touched film and TV, and I run it, you know, I work on a film and TV podcast. Well, there you are, you can do it again yeah. in another week or two, can't you? Yeah, we'll do a part two. Yeah, we'll a part three and a part four and a part five. <laughs> it's just going to be a series of me and you just chatting. Yeah, that's it. Far better than all the other rubbish you talk to. Anyway. Oh, I don't <laughs> know. I, I honestly, I, I've, got, I've got some interesting couple of people I'm going to be talking to. So I don't know where some of these conversations are going to go. But mm, Well, well. Um, no, it's good because you'll get totally different um, perspectives of, of different aspects of lives because ages and different grow, growing people growing up and it's bound to be different you yeah. know and it's it is generations will be different you know there's there's no question of that what as as you know what i grew up with even what you grew up with isn't what they're growing up with now so so everything keeps changing yeah so anyway all right yeah. then okay. yeah i say yeah, thank well, you for coming on that's all right yeah. Um, thanks, uh, thanks for the chat. Enjoyed it, and yeah. uh, you know I'll catch up with you tomorrow or the weekend or whatever. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Right. Day tomorrow. Yes. Right. Not that anything's happening. No. Right. Like... <laughs> no. Vera Lynn's going to talk. Vera Lynn's going to be on. Yeah. yeah. 103. Good old Vera Lynn. I'll have to prop her up a bit. I think you know old Vera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. all right. Um, really a way to end this. <laughs> have a good evening. Anyway. Bye. Yeah, love you. Bye. 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 Bye.